Wendy Rigby, host of Texas BioBites from Texas Biomed. Today we're talking about research into a parasitic disease with a very long name, schistosomiasis. We've got a team of scientists working on this global health issue, infecting millions of people. But what exactly is this disease, and what do snails have to do with it? Here's one of our scientists, Dr. Tim Anderson, to explain. What is schistosomiasis? Schistosomiasis is a very common tropical parasitic disease infecting around 250 million people. So it's caused by uh, parasitic trematodes. These are small worms around a third of a centimeter in length living in the blood vessels. It's actually the eggs of these worms that cause disease. So they lodge in the liver generating granulomas, leaving, leading eventually to uh, uh, liver failure and, uh, in, in many cases, death. So it's estimated, I think, that there are around uh, 200,000 deaths per year from schistosomiasis. What do snails have to do with it? So these, uh, these parasites have a, a complex life cycle uh, with snail intermediate hosts and vertebrates are very often human uh, uh, definitive hosts. So just as, just as malaria is transmitted by, by mosquito vectors, uh, these parasites actually use a, a snail vector. What is that snail and where does this snail live? So these are freshwater snails, very common uh, in African lakes and rivers. Uh, also uh, in, in the New World, in, in South America. Where do most of the people who get schistosomiasis live? Uh, so people who get schistosomiasis uh, live near water. People need water and therefore uh, many people around rural Africa uh, are, are exposed to schistosomiasis. We also work on schistosomes in South America. Uh, so schistosomes actually invaded South America uh, during the slave trade. So they came over with, uh, with the slave ships and uh, managed to colonize New World snails. And now in, in Brazil, schistosomiasis uh, is still a, a major disease problem. So the actual infection occurs when uh, uh, when larval schistosomes emerge from the snails, they swim through the water, they find a, a convenient passing human, and they burrow through the skin. At Texas Biomed, we have tanks filled with thousands of snails. I asked, what does it take to care for them and make them suitable for lab experiments? I'm Winka Leclerc, and I'm a postdoctoral scientist in Tim Anderson's lab, and I work on schistosomiasis. You help care for these snails? Yes, yeah, so basically these snails are like my babies, you know. I raise them with a lot of love and lettuce, and uh, we use also for the water, the untreated water we have uh, from the well uh, at the Texas Biomedical Research Institute. You don't want any chemicals in your water? No, no chemicals, and same thing for the lettuce. We wash all the leaf before giving to the snail. Is that all they need, is lettuce and some clean water? This and a little bit of fish food sometimes. But other than that, they're snails. They like it a little bit dirty. 
Yes. How many tanks do you have and about how many snails do you have here? So we have currently 20 tanks, so it's 10 gallon tanks. And in each tank we can have 300 snails, so you can make the math. And that math says there are about 6,000 snails in this lab at any one time. What is microbiome and how are you studying that to understand more about this disease? The microbiome is basically um, all the microorganism community that live, for example, in your body. Um, one organism, it's never really one organism. It's one organism plus its symbiont, its bacterial community. We were thinking, what about our snail? First, does our snail have uh, microbes? In, in the blood, and this snail live in the water. In the water, you have a lot of bacteria. So it makes sense, and it's proven, uh, it's proved in many other organisms, uh, like oyster, like crustaceans, shrimps, uh, that the bacteria are present in the blood. So we first tested to see if we have some bacteria in the blood of our snails, and we have. And then after that, the deal was to identified uh, the community of this bacteria and see if this community are different between the snail species. And then after that, the ultimate goal is to see if this microbiome can play a role with the parasite infection, with the schistosome infection. Processing the genetics of parasites and finding out about the host-parasite relationship requires not only vast knowledge about genes, it also requires processing vast amounts of data. I'm Frédéric Chevalier, I'm staff scientist, and uh, I'm from the bench to the computer. Oh, tell us about the data. How do you process all of this data? So, like Tim said, we are able to make crosses in the lab, and then what we do, we sequence the DNA of these parasites. And uh, this is a critical step uh, if we want to understand the genetic architecture of the traits we are studying. And for that, um, so we generate all these, or the reads of the DNA, so we literally, literally read the DNA. We have these huge files, text files that contain the information. And then what we do, we align these small reads against a reference genome uh, that is produced by uh, other groups. And we uh, then compare the little variations that are present in the DNA of our parasites to understand uh, what are the variations associated to the phenotype we see, like, for example, chronobiology, host specificity, when the, the, the schistosomes uh, enter in the, in the snail, or also uh, larval production. As a layperson, I'm assuming this, none of this would be possible without supercomputing. Yes, in indeed. So we have the chance here at Texas Biomed to have a, a computational, computational core um, where we have uh, thousands of uh, processors. Uh, we can use uh, to process this data because this data is a huge amount of data. Um, for example, when we, we sequence only one parasite, it's usually something like four gigabytes of the data, and this is just raw data. Then we have to process it so we can usually gener uh, generate uh, from these uh, libraries something like uh, easily 100 gigabytes of data at the end. Why do you enjoy this research? I always love to understand how it works. So it's a kind of being a mechanic, but of biology um, in a more complex world. We have the parasites with the snails, and uh, 
they are living together since uh, something like millions of years. And uh, it's fascinating to see how the parasites can just develop within a snail. And understanding that is something that uh, I'm, I'm very intriguing by these kind of things. When you tell your friends what you do, do you have to sort of explain what it is? Because most Americans probably haven't heard of schistosomiasis. Indeed. So they usually don't know this uh, disease. And um, we have to explain uh, that we are working with, with worms and snails, which is usually a kind of funny thing, especially for, for French people with escargot. <laughs> But in fact, these diseases very likely underestimated. These diseases affect a lot of people and mainly children. No research at Texas Biomed is conducted in a vacuum. Dr. Anderson explained how his studies with parasites affect another major disease research focus at the Institute. So one of the other reasons we're interested in schistosomes is uh, there's a strong relationship between schistosome infections and HIV. Uh, so schistosome infected people are more susceptible to infection with HIV and having contracted it, HIV actually uh, uh, reaches higher levels uh, and causes more, more pathology in schistosome infected people. So I think this is one of the important things. Diseases uh, interact. Uh, and so working on schistosomes is, is important for understanding other diseases such as HIV. You've been listening to Texas Biobites from Texas Biomed. Our passion is bringing science to you. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe and log on to our website, txbiomed.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. At Texas Biomed, we're tackling infectious diseases and enhancing lives through discovery. I'm Wendy Rigby.